Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and t-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hey guys, Jim here. Welcome to another Tuesday Night Jaw Meets episode where I have a chat with stand-up comedian, very good friend of mine, a massive wrestling fan, Carl Hutchinson. Now we are, of course, proudly part of the Distraction Pieces Network and if you're familiar, and you should be, uh, with the wonderful Scroobius Pips Distraction Pieces podcast from which the network takes its name, uh, then you'll probably be aware of the drunk casts that he occasionally does. Um... Now, this is the closest thing we'll ever get to me doing a drunk cast. Um, I'm not drunk. I am straight edge. Do not drink. Uh, I'm quite a sober human being. However, um, Carl is is six to eight beers in when we have this chat because we've both been working together in Cardiff that night. And the reason I wanted to talk to Carl is that he's a huge wrestling fan. I bond with a lot of comedians over either wrestling or football. All the time. It's a really common thing uh, for comedians to like professional wrestling. It's a really common thing for comedians to like football. I can nearly find, nearly always find a comedian who likes one thing or the other. And that's what we inevitably end up chatting about when we're not talking about work and complaining about the comedy industry. Um, but Carl also did an Edinburgh show last year that he's now touring called Learning the Ropes, where he actually learned to be a professional wrestler. And we get a little bit into that. I forgot that I was quite involved with sorting out his training in the first place. Um, Keen Progress fans will be uh, familiar with quite a lot of the names that are mentioned, in particular uh, Rampage Brown, who uh, helped out uh, and was pretty much responsible for Carl's training. So um, definitely, it's it's good chat. Uh, You'll find two nerdy guys talking about uh, wrestling, having a bit of a laugh, uh, and we kind of talk about Carl's fandom in terms of wrestling for the first part of the podcast, and then the second half is is talking about his training. Uh, we, and you know, it's a good chat. I enjoyed it. I've been looking forward to putting this one out. Um, next week, uh, I'm going to try if I can uh, to do something around the G1 New Japan uh, Pro Wrestling's G1 tournament. So I'm going to try and do something with that. I'm going to try and work out how to do that this week. And then obviously we'll have a full roundtable episode coming up towards the end of the month after the next WWE pay-per-view, which is Battleground. Is it Battleground? I feel I should know this. I always feel that the the non-big pay-per-views names all kind of blur into one. Uh, but we'll do a roundtable as we normally do after the Tuesday after that. Uh, a couple of little plugs. I don't have loads to plug personally because I did my solo show last week. So... 
Uh, I mean, me, my website, jimsmallman.com. My Facebook, Jim Smallman Comedian. My Twitter is at Jim Smallman. If ever you're going to tweet me, use the hashtag Tuesday Night Jaw. So I know it's to do with this podcast and not to do with the various myriad of other things that I spend my life doing. Uh, also, uh, wrestling-wise, obviously, the wrestling company I am one of the owners of is Progress Wrestling. This is underscore progress. Uh, our latest show, 5000 to 1, is now up on demand-progress.com. Uh, we've got a load of new merch up on our website, progresswrestling.com. Uh, a couple of new t-shirts, uh, a new collaboration t-shirt as well with the aforementioned Rampage Brown. So do check those out. And we've released some extra tickets for our show on August the 14th in Manchester. Now, our show at the end of the month in London, in Camden, uh, at the end of the month, has already sold out. It's sold out in an hour. Uh, but our show in Manchester, we have pretty much sold out our allocation today. But a lot of people have learned that at the minute, Virgin Trains have got a sale on, so it's a little bit cheaper to get to Manchester. And we've announced Tommy End, Will Ospreay and Zack Sabre Jr. for that show. So a lot of people are getting tickets. We had to release a load of extra standing tickets for that show today because it's going to be rammed. So progresswrestling.com slash tickets if you want to get tickets for our next Manchester show on August the 14th um, and if you go to progresswrestling.com you'll find links to our huge show in Brixton on September the 25th as well. Right, that's enough progress plugs. I'm going to plug a couple of other bits of British wrestling um, because I like to do that. It's a nice thing to do. First off um, our friends uh, FPW uh, they have a show in Sutton the, uh, on Sunday July the 24th. It's FPW's Summertime Brawl. It's always a good show um, uh, various uh, excellent matches uh, are on said show, including Will Ospreay versus Tommy End. Um, so if you get a chance to go along to that, then please do. Uh, it's a family-friendly show. Front row tickets, 15 quid. Uh, a family of four is 40 quid. Kids are a tenner. Adults are 12 quid. Um, so if you want to go along to that, fpwuk.com. That's July 24th, fpwuk.com for that show in Sutton. And if you're up north, you've heard Chris Brooker on my podcast several times before. Um, uh, I love Chris. Chris is one of my best friends. He's now heavily involved with Future Shot Wrestling uh, up in the Northwest. They have a show, uh, Uproar, on July the 17th in Stockport at the Guildhall. If you want to go along to that, again, it's a family-friendly show. It's not necessarily the same sort of environment you're going to find if you come to, say, see Progress, for example. Uh, but the wrestling is still great. So do go along and support that if you can. Uh, I believe their headline match on that show is their champion, Zach Gibson, against Rampage Brown, so that should be a belter. General admission is 12 quid, concessions are £8. A family ticket, so two adults and two kids, is 30 quid, and there's various VIP options as well. Futureshockwrestling.co.uk for that one. That's July the 17th for Futureshock, and July the 24th for FPW. Okay, right, that's me plugging stuff out of the way. Now you listen to me and Carl Hutchinson having a chat, and then I'll come and wrap things up at the end. All right, cheers, guys. Now we're recording. We are officially recording. Hello, Carl. Hello, Jim. You alright? I'm, I'm good. I'm good. We're in a flat in Cardiff. Why are you telling me this? I already know this. I know you know this. I'm telling the listener. All um, right, sorry. Dear listener. That makes a lot more sense. It's just you're looking at me when you said it. I know, mate, but you know. Um, so sorry, we're, in a, we're, in a, <laughs> we're in a flat in Cardiff, um, which is the last time we gigged together was in Bristol, um, where we got put in a hotel where we oh, got God. we got told we had to check out by ten in the morning, and I've just I've just mentioned this backstage at the gig we just done the Glee Club. You, it's the angry. You're a, a, you're one of the nicest people I know. Genuinely, thank you. I have never seen rage in someone's eyes like I saw in your face when a man told you you had to check out of a hotel at ten in the morning on a Saturday. Like, and now we're in a flat. 
It's so, I mean, 10 o'clock is so unreasonable though. It's like 12, I think 12's taking the piss. (laughs) (laughs) It is though, isn't it? How often have you paid for the late checkout? Um, no, no, I've, no, I don't think I've ever paid for it. I've done it a few times, just like the, the thought of the extra 10 quid to be able to stay in a hotel till 2 in the afternoon is fucking brilliant. It is, but it's, there's a few ways around it. What I, I mean, you can just say, like, the night manager said it was all right. And <laughs> they're usually... Have you never done that one? <laughs> no, mate. You just, I'm learning. Right, when you check in, you yeah. just you have a glance. They've usually got a name badge on. Hmm. If they haven't got that, if you glance at the screen when they're not looking, they'll usually have the name at the top. Right. Get the name. Oh, such and such said it was all right. Oh, did he? All right. Well, that's that's the last time he's going to work here. As long as I get a lie in. <laughs> so oh, you, mate, this is brilliant. There was one time where... Uh, so if ever there's anything like a mess up with a hotel, yeah. the... Oh, it's all right, you don't need to refund anything. Just I was wondering if I could possibly get a late check the latest I got uh, was 3 o'clock in Nottingham and it's because uh, they, were, they were checking us in somewhere and they didn't have uh, the keys mm. well they did they'd already checked in but they couldn't find the keys so I was there for about half an hour and they were, they were like oh they were just here like at the top drawer and were, I was like right well I could be a dick and I could be like oh well, but then I just went that's fine it's fine 3 o'clock check out <laughs> see sometimes when we bring in when progress bringing wrestlers in um, they'll get off of you know like last Sunday Chris Hero wrestled in Chicago for AAW then got on a plane flew to Dublin had an hour long layover in Dublin got on another plane at 6 in the morning I picked him up at quarter to 8 from Birmingham airport and we tried everything we're like can we get an early check in can we get the, so we can have a couple of hours sleep before the show and in the end the, the hotel went no we can't so I took him for a fried breakfast which was an amazing <laughs> thing to sit having a fried breakfast with Chris Aero it was brilliant that's and, great and I, and I know you'd love to uh, go to sleep but you just want to shovel some food <laughs> in your oven and look, look, look we, got to, we got to the Ritz in Manchester and went the, not the hotel but where we do our shows yeah, yeah. and he, um, he goes I'm just going to go and run the dressing rooms and just, just have a sleep oh, bless and him. he did and he, did. he slept for three hours while we were setting the show up but he sells his merch obviously he needs to get out there and sell his merch and we realised we had to go and wake him up because he's like, oh, the poor bloke's not going to make any extra money. Oh, I know, but it's like, I mean, good on him though for just doing that. Like, but it's, look, this is the thing: is is <clears throat> I think about the amount of times I've had a load of driving to do and whatever, and I've just I've slept in my car for a couple of hours and gone, no, I'm sick, I'm all right now. I can do another gig. Yeah. Whereas I think wrestlers, the the lack, especially the ones who travel a lot, the lack of sleep they have it baffles me. It's it's nuts. It's a nuts amount of 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 stress on you on you not just on your body but on your mind because having to stay awake and all the stuff you've got to remember in a match after you've had maybe two hours sleep is uh-huh. awful I mean it puts into perspective doesn't it like uh, like us like complaining about it's like a 10 o'clock like, checkout oh how are we supposed to talk for 20 minutes and then you've got like <laughs> wrestlers going doing like 40 minute matches and um, knee sleep it's the reason I wanted to chat to you is it's a lucky it's a happy coincidence that we're gigging together this weekend because um, we've been mates for what seven seven years honestly seven, maybe eight years yeah right I've known okay. each other, we've known each other for a long time acquaintances yeah and and let's be honest <laughs> sorry let's, uh, let's be honest one of the main reasons I think we became mates in the first place is that you're a wrestling fan and you, and the certain comics I remember being really vocal about being wrestling fans the first time I met them there's you there's Chris Brooker there is Nathan Caton and there's John Hastings and the first time I met John Hastings, I knew we were going to be friends because within two minutes of meeting him, we were talking about Tully Blanchard. 
that doesn't happen in a normal job. And and I think there's certain because like before we started recording, oh, I've got I got my podcast mic out and I was like, we'll start recording in a minute. And we just talked, we just talked about wrestling for half an hour. When I came in, what were you doing in the flat when I came in? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that makes it sound makes it sound like you were you were furiously masturbating. I was watching. <laughs> I was watching a, uh, an on-demand documentary I paid for, and I just put my password in to see if I'd rem- if if like you've got it for life. But yeah. I didn't know. I was just like, it's been about a year since I watched that Jim Cornette documentary when he came to the UK. And so. this is why we're friends because you <laughs> but didn't you... I, didn't I pause it when you came in? You did. Turn the lights off so when you came in, I was just sat there in the dark. Just went, what time you call? <laughs> This is exactly how you, all comedians should do that when they're they That's the thing, comics don't tend to share very often. So, you know, it's only in Edinburgh that you tend to share with other comics. Yeah. And and it's like, how often when you share, is it like two people? Do you, have you seen that episode of Louis? Like the the last two episodes of uh, the most recent season? No, I don't Oh, you've got to, it's like, it's the, I don't know if you watch it, but it's the best uh, two episodes. It's a double part, it's just about him on the road. And he's just sharing with like the complete opposite of what he's like, mm. and it's just every uh, like cliche you've ever you've ever seen in comedy. It's um, because I think I, I've I've said this a couple of times on 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 the podcast, and it's there's been a couple of times where it doesn't happen so much now. I think you get to a certain point in comedy where it feels like it's very rare we I meet any new comics. It's nearly always comics I know or experience now, and but every now and again. So you'll get a new comic saying to me what have you got any advice and I'll always tell them to read Mick Foley's book because I, I genuinely think that life on the road for us is is like life on the road for wrestlers and I think you're closer to a wrestler than most because you're one of I mean there's, there's a lot of comics who look after themselves but you like I already know that tomorrow you're going to go to the gym for several hours tomorrow well, yeah, because that's what you do. You sweet, but you do it while you're away from home. I go to the gym when I'm at home. I don't do it while I'm away. But you do it, it all used, the time. It used to be the other way around, right? But obviously, you get more busy. Yeah. So if you only went to the gym when you were at home, you'd only go like a couple of, <laughs> of times. That's why I do it. Yeah, um, yeah. No, but but and this is this is what I want to really get to is we'll we'll get to how much of a wrestling fan, how involved you've been in wrestling in the last couple of years, because I think it's a really cool story, but. I'm going to ask you some really obvious favourite questions first because I know all the people I will ha- have on this podcast when I do the little neat mini episodes like I'm doing now is you're going to have really, really good answers to all of these things. So Okay, well, hold on. Can I stop you? Can I ask you a question? Yeah, go Because you mentioned it before when you said the first time you'd met. I can't remember the first time we met, but I know that we knew each other from Edinburgh. We met through Tony Jameson. Indeed we did. Where we were uh, all wrestling f- uh, Fans, indeed, and you met everyone you mentioned. You said Nathan Caton, uh, John Hastings, uh, like you, Tony, and me. Mm. Uh, we all can you remember Tony's flat in Edinburgh. I can't uh, the flat I had kidney stones in. I remember it very well. Kidney stones, I had kidney stones that Edinburgh, yeah. So, 2011, I think it was, yeah, it was so, like so it's, uh, it was when Kevin Nash turned up at SummerSlam. It was, that, that's my ah! that. That was it. Oh, that SummerSlam was brilliant. And then we tried to replicate it the next year, and, and they didn't have really, they didn't have Sky. They didn't have the right house for it because I remember uh, Brendan Burns was on board at that point. Yes, he was. And um, I just remember one time it was like Brendan, who's like the most outspoken person all the time. Like I absolutely love him a bit. Mm. Um, but obviously, it's like you see the side of like he's just at the end of the day at like three in the morning. 
he's a guest in somebody's house and we couldn't open the doors or the windows for yeah. the, because we're making that much noise for the neighbours because obviously everyone, it was like a residential yeah. area everyone's got kids and I just saw Brendan just turn to someone and just go is anyone else really warm? It was like the, <laughs> it was it was the quietest I've ever heard him like say anything. Not like open a fucking window. I mean, it was, is anyone else really warm? And it was just like, <laughs> well, it's toasty in here, isn't it? it? it, it you get to see that other side of uh, people with, like when the wrestling fans like. But I, I totally forgot because that is exactly the, because we had a SummerSlam night and it was and because at the time because I remember John who was then my agent came to watch SummerSlam pre network wasn't it? Uh, but that's also that summer, that Edinburgh was the year that we came up with the idea for progress. So I remember you flat, talking about the idea, yeah. yeah same and, like and that's when, it. and that's when we went. How odd could it be? Um, really odd, yeah. it turns out. Um, yeah, because John used to be like comedy agent. It was like John was my manager. Yeah, yeah. yeah there yeah. was like, oh, I'm, I'm off to do this this wrestling thing now. And uh, well, to be fair to him, how's that working out? <laughs> it's, it's going all right. <laughs> um, uh, so, <coughs> uh, I, I, I don't. How old are you? Carl? 28. 28. It's 10 years younger than me, you fucking young bastard. Um, I started when I was 19, so it's like... Uh, yeah. So you started similar, yeah. So, so I'm, I'm like X-Pac, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, can you remember the first thing that got you into wrestling when you were a kid? Uh, I remember the first thing I ever saw when I was a, uh, when I was a kid. It was like, we had Sky, so it was like... Because someone's family's doing all that. Well, <laughs> well, no, we're, we're doing all right, and then we weren't. It was like it was always that like in and out of jobs, like my mum and dad. Like yeah. so, there were times when they both had jobs. My mum had a job, my dad had a job. No one had jobs, but so I got wrestling really young. But then I got to take. Do you know when I got wrestling taken out? November nineteen ninety seven. Oh, for God's sake! Do you know when I got it back? When April nineteen ninety nine. I missed. <laughs> like. I'm such a wrestling fan, and I miss the whole fucking attitude here. How often do you go back and watch that now on the network just to catch up on it? Oh, I'm like on my third loop now. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I, I used to uh, before the network. I, I've got the whole torrented uh, mm. like '97, '98, '99. I would just watch it like so. I've, I've hammered through it now. Like, but yeah, it was it was back when the wrestling was on like Sky One, uh, Sky Sports One, Sky Sports Three. Mm. And then for a while, for that whole attitude era, they put it on Sky Sports Two. We only had one and three. I don't know what cable package we had, but only. But I remember I would flick through the uh, Telewest Communications, um, fucking uh, TV guide or whatever, yeah. and then it would always say Sky Sports One, and I put it on, and it wasn't on. And uh, the pay per view when they came to England, I'm trying to think what that Insurrection? was. Insurrection. No, it was before Insurrection. It was like. Uh, Oh, it was ninety nine. So, because I remember like everyone saying like, "Oh, I suppose you'd be you're gonna be." It was one night only in Birmingham. Ah, uh, yeah, I yeah. Know. So they were pushing that one, and like we had Tell Us Communications were carrying like an opera that night. So like, <laughs> <laughs> I, I persuaded me mum. I was like, "Yeah, mum, if I'm good all week, can I can we order like one night only?" And like she was like, "Yeah, yeah, okay." So then like I got the permission. I rang up and I was like, "Can I order the rest?" And it was like, "No." We, We've got the opera tonight. And knowing knowing what a hotbed for wrestling northeast is. Yeah. Because unless you pick that up from Carl's accents, he's he's not a cockney. <laughs> um, you just think of how much a wrestling fan I am, and it's like I got so gypped, oh, mate. As a ten year old, I got so gypped. I was going into school, and like people are going like The Rock. I'm going The Rock. Do you not mean Rocky Maivia? They went, oh, he's moved on since that. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, oh. Did you did you ever go to a live show when you were a kid? 
because I, 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 I got taken to like world of sports stuff when I was oh, older. Um, but then I've, I've been to a lot of WWE shows and I still go to loads now. I still and it's I think it's amazing now seeing kids at WWE shows and maybe it's partly because of my impending. My, my daughter doesn't like wrestling, but my my son may well like it. I hope so. And like going to WWE in Newcastle and seeing like four or five year old kids lose their minds when Dean Ambrose comes out. I'm like, this is amazing. This is this. But did you ever get sort of taken to shows and that when you were a kid? Yeah, I'll I'll answer your first question because I really I just glanced over it. Sorry. Um, the first bit of wrestling I watched was when we got Sky in. Yeah, mm. uh, it was uh, <laughs> SummerSlam '93. Do you know what the main event was? Was that the Two Undertakers? No, that was '94. Yeah, oh. uh, I feel I should know this. I feel like. I feel terrible for not knowing this off the top of my head. I feel like I could go on Mastermind and I could probably be all right because, like, all my birthdays and Christmases were wrestling videos, so I could probably I could probably do. 90- <laughs> yeah, I did that a lot as well. I could probably do ninety three to ninety seven pay per views. <laughs> uh, I'd, pr- I'd probably. I need know, to show you. I need to show you a Kindle book in a bit that you're going to want. Right, buzz uh, it. Which is a, a guide to every WWE pay per view. Oh, right, okay. Um, uh, and. Um, it's well worth it but do continue your first bit oh yeah so it's 93 it was um, the Lex Express Lex Luger and Yokozuna oh good god the one where Lex was meant to win and then he, he told everyone he was going to win the title and then it ended up being a, a DQ or a double count out it was, a, it was just a count out so um, god yeah it was like uh, I have indie wrestling booker mentality on this and I, I always think oh oh god if we did that, one of our shows, our fans would lynch us. Well, I, I remember my mum and dad said, um, <laughs> "Yeah, yeah, like uh, we'll we'll have the wrestling on because it was like I've got the well, I've not got it now, but I, I watched the video because when we taped it on Sky, it was like it recorded in black and white, so I still remember like the black and white um, atmosphere. The board game atmosphere was a sponsor, hmm. and it was um, it was like Razor Ramon, Ted DiBiase." You had cowboys in it, so you had Tatanka and smoking guns against um, Bam Bam Bigelow and the Head Shrinkers. Nice. Ludwig Borger against Marty Janetti. He's I dead think. now, isn't he, Ludwig Borger? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, was a politician in Finland, wasn't he, for a while? Yes, he was, eh? Um, this is the, I love the fact that of all the people... I, I imagine you're like me. Sometimes I just read Wikipedia pages just to learn stuff. I was looking at Ludwig Borger the other day because I was like... <laughs> I was on the treadmill and... Um, <laughs> I just in my head, I just went. Ludwig Borger's got a proper touch of the Brock Lesnar's, like, and then because yeah, like, he, he did MMA, didn't he? As well, he was he, he was, did, he, was right? into, he was a boxer and all that sort of stuff. Right, a, a legit a legit hard nut. Ended the, uh, ended to tank us to undefeated streak as well, with very little one ceremony. Finger, one finger, he just went one finger and he pinned him, and uh, so <laughs> I, anyway. Um, so that was the first wrestling event. But I remember, even as a six-year-old kid, watching Lex Luger get like hoisted up by like the Steiners, uh, mm. who had like each uh, Steiner was up with Lex Luger. <coughs> Excuse me, and uh, celebrating and the confetti's coming down, and like because of course they did have the big like the hat not on the title. And my dad was like trying to get me to celebrate. And like I went, Dad, it was a countdown. I was like, even at six, I'm going, Dad, a title will not change hands <laughs> on a countdown or a disqualification. And me dad's going, well, look how they're celebrating, son. He's got to be the new champion. <laughs> I'm going, he's not. <laughs> and then it was the next day, and it was like, or whatever Raw was. Raw was Friday's back then. That was yeah. so much better. 
when you were at school and you'd have to, like, Friday night, you'd go around to a mate's house. It was still house. taped on a Monday, but we only got it on a Friday. Here. Yeah. And night, because we, we had Sky, and I remember Nitro used to be on TNT at the same time, and the advert breaks yeah. often sync up so you could flip from one to the other. Well, a couple of the downloads torrents that I've got, whoever I've got it off is obviously fucking flicked, so <laughs> <laughs> every now and then you see, a, you see a bit of Nitro. But I, 22, uh, 22 was Cardo Network and... TNT after 7 o'clock because nice. 23 was the Paramount Comedy Channel and then Nickelodeon oh no the other way around yeah. obviously that makes a lot more sense you're not going to have the fucking Road Rats Road Rats at 10 o'clock at night <laughs> um, and then uh, I see you had uh, so you had the wrestling on uh, on a Friday I remember when we were at secondary school we used to uh, the first lad who had like a computer used to print out the raw result I remember, like, with all this huddle at break time, like, reading, like, and then Joey Apps came down and did test it. And, like, <laughs> <laughs> and we were all like, eh, who's Joey Abs? We've never seen him yet. Like, oh, it must be new, new Mean Street Posse. So this is the weird thing, because I've got, because I've got, like, ten years on you. Uh, like, I was at university when this was happening. Mm. So. I noticed, because you just looked there to go, fuck, I'm old. <laughs> well, this, I'm quite, I'm quite happy in that, um, so I, I interviewed uh, uh, Joel Allen today as a, a referee. Oh, classic. Um, and, and, the, and, uh, and this will be the episode of Tuesday Night Joel that the listeners would have listened to last week. And, and, I, and I said to him, I'm 38, and he went, during the podcast, he went, no. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, we'll take that. And, no, I don't think you're looking at that. But I think as comedians, we don't do a real job, do we? So uh, we, we, tend to, we tend to get away with it a little bit. Have you heard what Jerry Seinfeld says on this? He no. says, however long you've been doing comedy, that's your age. You've been, oh, great, I'm 11. Yeah. Fucking brilliant. <laughs> says, you, you've, been, you've been doing comedy for 11 years, you've got the maturity of an 11-year-old. But, um, yeah, but I was at uni, so I, the first thing I'd do when I... Um, so I had a job when I was at uni, which was I used to moderate the enemy's message boards, and I used to get paid like a pittance for it. I used to do it on the uni computers, which you're not going to do. So I'd just basically sit in the library all day, log into a computer... And you can only stay logged in for two hours, so then I just log on to another one. And, uh, and, uh, and, and I just log into a computer, and I'd have two windows open. One would be me monitoring uh, Manic Street Preachers fans arguing with Oasis fans, uh, and the other window would be uh, me reading wrestling results. And and like websites that I now have used for this long. Do you know what I mean? So so I'd I've got a similar story. <laughs> just but, but I just I'd sit there and I, and I and I. I'd read something about it and I remember the amount of times you'd read names and go, <coughs> oh. And then, because I, I I went away from wrestling until I saw Mick Foley being thrown off, uh, accidentally. So I was flicking through Sky, saw Mick Foley being thrown off the Hell in a Cell cage. Like, literally the moment he got thrown off the cage happened. And it's like a proper epiphany in my life. I had, if I hadn't have seen that, I don't think I would have got back into wrestling the way that I did. I saw that, watched the rest of the pay-per-view, um, it's back when all the pay-per-views on Sky for free. Yeah, yeah. And I watched it and just went, oh my God, this is amazing. And then I went, I, I missed wrestling. I'd stopped watching it for maybe three or four years and I, I, like, I miss it. And I went back and got all the, I get to HMV in Leicester and buy, I, I'd order the tapes in that they didn't have because it was only a small HMV. I had shelves full of WWE Back when tapes. it's 17 quid a pop as yeah, well. And, and it, it was like, <laughs> yeah, I had a couple of jobs and that. And it was like, I, 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 all I want is to catch up on all this stuff and read about it and learn about it. So I was reading books after books after books about it. Back when there wasn't loads of books about wrestling as yeah. well. Um, and then, for a little while, I became really preoccupied with the wrestlers that I liked when I was a kid who died. 
And that sounds really weird in that there's something... You know when you're a teenager and you don't know many people have died? Uh-huh. Right? So often you maybe have a grandparent who's died, but none of, you know, you've not lost any... Hopefully you've not lost any friends or anything like that. And there was a big thing with me, like, I remember finding out... Um, I, I, remember finding, I forget which wrestlers it was, but I remember finding out that certain wrestlers I'd watched on TV when I was a kid. Uh, Texas Tornado was the first one. I remember right, reading about right. And then read about the Texas Tornado's life. <clears throat> And then found out, as I'm sure you know, found out that oh, when he signed yeah. WWE, he only had one foot. And I'm like, what? And I think as well because because of my my sort of history with booze and stuff like that, I always used to find the sad stories like really like morbidly fascinating, and that got me back into it in a little way. And then I started going nuts, tape trading and stuff. So literally, I'd put a computer on, do my job in one window, and the rest of it was learning about everything that I'd missed, mm-hmm. and and you know, re- just trying to learn absolutely everything I mean I did alright at university and I don't know how <laughs> because right. I did no work I yeah, just yeah. learned about wrestling no that was me as well like uh, do you know the, who did Texas Tornado uh, sign from to go to WWE uh, it would have been uh, USWA so it would have been it would have been what was world class but then world class merged with uh, the Memphis territory right um, I believe because he was because I've heard the story that um, I think when the, he was with WWE hmm. um Whoever was like he'd signed from, I didn't like it. Like rang up like these wrestling journalists and said, like, do you know he's only got the one foot? And like, try to like, I mean, I, I'm mm. all over the shop, but like, I'm pretty sure it was like someone was trying to discredit him because he only had the one, the one leg, and it's, uh, the one, the one foot. Sorry. And this is the thing is you you look back to it's kind of a sidebar sort of thing, but if you look back to how wrestlers used to live their lives, you know, you look we, we do comedy. People think our, our job's pretty rock and roll. The most rock and I mean, you're wearing pajamas. Like the most <laughs> rock and roll. Well, it's twelve o'clock. Right? But the most, the most rock and roll. I mean, you're having a couple of beers because we've been working. But you know, I've had a banana. I mean, we're not particularly. I don't drink anyway. But we're not. We're not particularly rock and roll. Uh, we're do, not going to smash you, this place up. Do you not love it when uh, it's the end of the gig and someone goes like, and it's so nice because it's like it means you've done your job and it means mm-hmm. I want to like have a couple of beers. Go, so you're coming out on the drink with me now? It's like. <laughs> Mate, like, I'm so tired. Like, all I want to do is go back and watch that Jim Cornette documentary. You know what I mean? All we do is travel, and then we don't, we just want to start. But, but you it's think, so nice that the people want to do that, though, as well. But I, I think, again, like, you know, the most rock and roll thing Chris Hero did when he was here was he really wanted to watch the basketball because it was game seven of the playoffs. So right. Basketball. Um, and he, he went to Chris Brooker's house to watch it because he's got BT Sport. That's the most rock and roll request Chris Hero had. Uh, and wrestlers on the road used to be they were a mess you know like everyone was partying everyone was like that all the time I'm sure comedy was probably like that at some point when the big alternative comedy boom was happening but oh you always hear about that like don't you like uh, you, you, people would get like the food and then the cocaine on tap and all that so it was good performance but, <laughs> but, but, um, but, but no watching what I see in wrestling now I mean a few of them like, like a couple of drinks but it's all it's all business even at the indie level it's all you don't see anyone going you know what I want to live? I want to live like a Texas tornado. You have any of that? See, I'm, I'm a big uh, like mark for the like shoot interview. So like mm. going back to when you were at university, when I'd left university, and I had a uh, it wasn't so much a moderator. I was more of a um, I had a job making resources for A level students. So yeah. like because I met me subjects like maths and statistics. And you were a teacher, weren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. As, as was I. So we, teacher you know. for like two two years. Yeah, yeah. six months. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> It was, yeah, it was like, I'd done the uh, teacher training and then 
I'd done a year after that. Mm-hmm. And then I saw Cemetery Junction by Ricky Gervais. And like, which it doesn't like, I wish there was a cooler film. Yeah. Almost. Because I forgot that film even existed. Exactly. Do you know what I mean? It was like, it's it's one of those films that like not a lot of people um, like bang on about. But yeah. I watched that and I was like, it was proper cliche. It was like the next day I was just like, there's me notice type thing. Like, <laughs> I, like I'd seen the thing out now, but it, that, that's when I was just like, right, this mm. is probably something I need to do. But anyway, uh, I would watch the shoot interviews of, uh, because of going back to the 93 yeah. era, Kevin Nash, Scott Hall. So it was like, I would watch that. You he, talk about the locker room today. It's one of the best uh, quotes I've ever seen. Like, uh, like, back in my day, it was obviously all like blokes. He says, you walk in now, it's like Abercrombie and Fitch. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is the thing, is, is like, certainly in British wrestling, British wrestlers were known for being, for being hard. Mm-hmm. And there are plenty of British wrestlers who are legitimate tough guys now, but it's not the norm. So, you know, there are plenty of guys who are, are more into CrossFit than they are actually going to a gym and, and shooting on someone and learning that way because wrestling's changed. Yeah. You know? and, but I still love the fact, and I've said it, I think, I think I've probably mentioned this on a podcast before, um, yeah, I love it that, um, I think it was Zack Sabre Jr. telling me once that Japanese fans are obsessed with the town of Wigan. <laughs> because it's where Billy Robinson was from and it's you know it's, it's where Jack Gallagher wrestles for progress trained and all that and, and the snake pit gym there and people are obsessed with it because wow. it's, it's, it was a big thing at the start of, of MMA and a big thing in terms of the, the, the founding of wrestling and, and, and teaching where men were proper men and they were hard um, and, um, <laughs> and, and I find it like I've gigged in Wigan no, if you're listening and you're from Wigan no disrespect but <laughs> It doesn't have the same thing to me as you know maybe maybe you know the the, the main streets of Brazil do with Jiu Jitsu. Well, is it like it's a frogging bucket still at Wigan? Is that still a thing? No, it's not there anymore. Is it not? No, that was a really nice gig. I've been there. I've been there with you before. Have we? Yeah, we knew we'd get together. Yeah, once enjoyed. every nine months where we get together and catch up about wrestling. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that was the last podcast. Like. <laughs> <laughs> But um, I sorry, I haven't answered about six of your questions yet. But again, back to I mean, morbid subject. But obviously, mm. you said Texas Tornado. The one that got me was in year eight, um, secondary school. So I would have been about thirteen, fourteen. Mm. Uh, one of my mates who like lived close by he was called Gary Dad, and um, we at the bus stop, and he, I was there first, and he came up, and he was like, he, it was like a horrible expression mm. on his face. He was and it was over the edge. He said, "Do you know Owen Hart died?" Mm. And I went, what? Like, obviously, because I'm disconnected, because yeah. I have this is attitude here. Yeah. So I was like, you know, I taped it. I was like, right, give us a tape. It'll be a. I was thinking, like, it was like hope, and it was like, it's got to be a storyline. Yeah. And then I watched it, and I was like, oh, oh, God, it's, it's yeah, not. I was watching it live. What I used to do oh. is, um, and at that point, I had, I had a job, I'm certain of it. So, was, was that 99? Uh, yeah. No, I was still yeah. at uni. I'm still at uni. So I, um, what I used to do is I used to stay up late. I wouldn't watch them all the way through. I'd stay. Up, I'd stay up late because I, I couldn't work on video recorder. It was useless. So what I'd have to and it was recording off Sky and it was before you had Sky cables. I I had that where yeah. I didn't realise you had to press the timer button. So the amount of replays I've recorded as opposed <laughs> to the live one. So I'd. So I stay, I'd always stay up and record it, and, I, and most of the time I go, I'll go to bed, but then I'd be like, ah, I've got half a pack of Jaffa Cakes here. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll watch the first, I watch the first couple of matches, and 
I remember watching until what happened with Owen Hart and then going, oh God. Yeah. And I still wasn't, I'm sm- I was a smart fan by that point, but I was still like, is this, and then, and it was seeing, <clears throat> it was seeing Jerry Lawler's response to it that I went, oh God, this is horrible. And, and I loved Owen Hart. It'd been one of, when I was, when I was smaller and he was the Blue Blazer, I loved him. Right. And, and I remember watching him, um, you know, footage of him wrestling in Britain because I got tapes of it, and it was like, oh yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and he was, and he was ahead of his time. He was tremendous, and, and See, I remember going me, to sorry to chip in. I liked Ornhoff from the WrestleMania ten and the SummerSlam '84 when it was the cage match with uh, Bret Hart as well. Like. And what was weird is that my parents used to spend a lot of time in the states, so my parents were in America, and I I knew they'd still be up because of the time difference. And I ran my mum and dad and I went, um, can you watch the news there and find out this has happened? And oh. they did, and they went. Yeah, and I was like, oh god, because I remember my dad bought a copy of the New York Times the next day, um, and bought it home, and he went, I went, I know you collect stuff to do a wrestling, I don't know if you want this. He said, but I, 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 I saw it and I thought I should probably buy it here and bring it home, and I can't. I've still got it in my folder of wrestling memorabilia, and it's not something I'm ever going to put on a wall or anything like that. Yeah. I just think it, it, there was, it was definitely a point where I think quite a lot of, because I was, an, I was older than you at the time, yeah, so I was, I was twenty one. So, I think it was a point where quite a lot of the innocence went out of it, and a lot of a lot more people became attuned with the business behind it. Because when people were going, but why didn't they stop the pay per view? And it's like, well, because the people at home didn't necessarily know what had happened, and the people in the arena thought it was a gimmick. So, you, it's stopping a show is one of the. I'll give an example. It's nowhere near as bad. So we did progress did wrestling at the Sonosphere Metal Festival, uh, in twenty. 2014 and we did a show uh, three nights in a row Friday, Saturday, Sunday late at night midnight uh-huh. and our middle show on the Saturday uh, Mark Andrews was wrestling Daryl Allen Daryl's head trainer at our training facility and super talented and Mark Andrews yeah, everyone knows Mark Andrews he's great he's in TNA and he's yeah, all over the place he's, he's great he's a great guy and they did a very basic spot uh, where Mark did a spring, uh, springboard up onto the top rope, did a crossbody, and Daryl took it slightly too high and landed on top of his head. Now, we all, th- and I, I, you know, when I, I hate, this is something I always ask our guys to not do, I hate people falsely using the X symbol to say someone's been hurt, because it's been used as a device, because the fans right. are smart to it. Yeah, so yeah, it's been used course. as a device a few times where people have gone, oh, no. Well, almost like, uh, to go back when you said Jerry Lauder, it's mm. like, I didn't like it in the future. In future, when Jerry Lana would do that, um, give it back. Like, yeah, because they did it with China's fight. China's neck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. And and I and and Chris Roberts, I referred. I think it was Chris Roberts that day. Put the axes up, and I was like, "Oh God, I don't know what to do." Uh-huh. And I looked, and next to me were two British wrestlers, uh, Michael Whiplash and T Bone, both of whom are, are great senior guys. Uh-huh. And both of them went, "We know what to do." And they went to the ring and looked after him, but he couldn't move his legs. And we were like, oh God, he's paralysed. And we love Daryl. And we're like, oh, and Mark is in bits. It's no one's fault. You know this. Of course. It's no yeah, one's yeah. fault. And, and all I could think of is, I, I, don't know, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And the ambul- But we, stopped, we had to stop the show. And what was really lovely in that environment is, because it's a smaller show, and there's maybe, there's maybe 2,000 people in the tent, they could all see what had happened. They could all see that Mark was upset, the referee was upset, and there was wrestlers in the ring with them. And we said, look, we need to get an ambulance in. We've got to stop the show. We're really sorry. 
and every single person applauded and left politely and then we had people coming up to us at the festival the next day going is Daryl okay and we, luckily we could say wow. he's fine he dislocated his shoulder and he's concussed but he's, he's thank full. heavens yeah. I, yeah. but I've never been more frightened it's the worst injury we've had injuries where people have broke bones and stuff like that and it's, it's so Flash Morgan Webster in his Cruiserweight Classic qualify for us that you can see up on, on the WWE website and you can see on ours um, he broke his ankle and dislocated his shoulder in that match and carried on um, because some, there's, there's levels of how hurt you can be in a match. Uh-huh. But when Daryl, like, we were like so worried for him. And but two thousand fans, right all near the ring, who saw it happen. I think it's easy to say to them, "Them guys, we're stopping." Sorry. When people have paid, because they've not paid any extra for it, it was a free attraction. Right. When people have paid two hundred and fifty dollars to sit in the front row, and you got most people will be like, "Absolutely not." I think about it from a football fan's point of view. If I was a, um, you know, it's horrible every now and again a football will die on the pitch. And yeah, yeah. if that happens in a game, that game should be abandoned. That game is not carrying on. And I get that as a football fan. I think all football fans would get it. I don't know, when you're put on that, you've got a snap second to make that decision of do we stop this show now? And I think they'll probably already always regret saying, no, we need to carry on. It's what we wanted. But it's still even now it's still it's the point for me where wrestling went from being something really really light and fun to me going oh god this is yeah yeah this is even with a little morbid fascination about things that happened in the past this was like oh god uh-huh. I was super upset by it almost yeah. upset things that upset me the most ever in wrestling I think yeah yeah it was like it was it was really weird it was like it was a, a mad atmosphere at the school because it was like uh, I was like I, I don't know if this is true or not and then, hmm. uh, I remember I watched it and then I gave the tape back because somebody else like wanted to yeah. to watch because it was a pay-per-view and then I was like oh well I'll watch the replay and it was like and then it was like right well because of what's happened we aren't going to be showing the yeah. replay so the replay got cancelled and this is <laughs> going back, I mean trying to lighten the mood here me mum and dad um, came back full of drink uh, they weren't like abusive sorry they just <laughs> they'd had a good night out um, <laughs> they came back Stephen one time from a night out and it was the, the Greater Power episode. Yeah. But it was the one just before you found out. So you see Austin's reaction. Yeah. And I'm just watching it going like, who on earth could this be? My mum walks through and goes, I'll tell you who that's going to be, Carl. I went, who? She went, Owen Hart. I went, mum. <laughs> I went, mum, like, you don't get it. Like, it's not a storyline. She was like, oh, wrestling's always a storyline. <laughs> tell, tell you about me mum in Edinburgh. Um, like, your, your mate, uh, Scroobius Pip. Yeah. Um, Oh, this is the pip story you wanted to tell. Yeah, Excellent. we know each other through uh, Chris Ramsey, mm. and because uh, he he would. Always... He weirdly told me the other day when because I was saying Pip's got the same birthday as my daughter. Yeah, and he said, "Oh yeah, I'm the same birthday as Chris Ramsey." Uh-huh. And I went, "Oh, you know Chris? Cause we, you know, I've worked with Chris and that, and I've known Chris for years." Oh, yeah. and, and 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 he went, "Oh yeah," and I was like, "Oh, that's a nice little link." But I didn't realise he then knew you as well, which is excellent. Oh well, it was like um, I think we've met once mm. and uh, his mum was in the gig one time when I was there or something like that so I mean we've, we've met well yeah. I wouldn't say we're friends or anything but um, it w- he would always play around he would always play Daniel Sack V Scroobius Pip in the car and uh, like the Thou Shall Not mm. uh, one always like oh, that was one of my favourite ones and um, anyway we're at the Pleasance Courtyard in Edinburgh and uh, my mum and dad are there so I mean I hope that paints a good picture if they don't believe the own heart situation, yeah. they think that's a storyline. Yeah. Um, that's kind of what my mum and dad are like after a few drinks. So I went, um, Mum, this is uh, 
I went, no, I, thought, I went, Dad, this is uh, Scroobius Pip. My dad's like about fucking <laughs> four pints in. He's going, Scroobius, Scroobius, Scroobius. He's looking right at him. <laughs> Scroobius, I went, Dad. <laughs> and I just like said it again. And my mum went, Peter, man. Like pushed him aside, like stuck her hand out to shake his hand. And yeah. she's, she's trying to be really nice. She went, well, I've never heard of you, but it's nice to meet you. <laughs> <laughs> I went... Just say nice to meet you. <laughs> like, oh, your mum's the best. Nice to meet you will be fine. <laughs> oh, um, we, this is but the live event. Sorry, that, that was, was the question. Say. Yes, I was yes. Say, sorry, live I might be about six years in, but I remember it. Yeah, don't worry. Um, the the live. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over seventy percent of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com/people today. Wow! Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The event was um, when the uh, wrestling came. I, I talk about this in the in the wrestling comedy show that I do. Um <sighs> It's when the wrestling came to the Whitley Bay Ice Rink in uh, 1993. Nice. That's how small it was. It was playing like ice rinks at the time. Mm. Like it wasn't like the arena or anything like that. And uh, I'm trying to remember the card. It, it was like because talk to Chris Brugger. Chris Brugger knows every card. You tell him what the month was, what the year was. He knows. He knows what the card is. But um, this particular one, Bret Hart wasn't there. Mr. Mm. Perfect was injured. Um, but it was like Shawn Michaels fought Macho Man. Six years old. What? Was, yeah, it's mind blowing. <laughs> it was oh like my. it was like um, it was just before or a Macho Man might have even just been doing the. It was just after Survivor Series '93. Because remember when um, Shawn Michaels had to take place of Jerry Lawler for the um, the 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 nights, the yes. three, three nights. Yes. And I'll never forget that I had Tony Chimmel and they changed the word nights to like try to like um, like do like a bit of a local pop. So it was um, it was the smoking guns against two of the knights, but he didn't introduce them as Sean. It wasn't Sean's knights. He went Sean's mates. <laughs> <laughs> so it was just. <laughs> Go on, mates. How you come, lads? It was the smoking guns against Sean's mates, and then uh, Michael's fought Macho Man, and uh, I think who took the place of uh, I think the tanker took took. Uh, 
done Mr. Perfect. Yes, because remember, Diesel had cost Shawn Michaels the IC belt at SummerSlam 93. Yeah. So it must have been Mr. Perfect against Diesel on the house shows. Perfect got injured, so Tatanka took his place. So ah, it's Tatanka against Diesel. Uh, I remember Rick Martel. Uh, was tremendously underrated wrestler really, I, can't, I can't remember I, I wish I knew who he was fighting as well but I remember being frightened to cheer against him because he he was that good at like looking annoyed I genuinely thought like about like 18 rows back I thought he was going to come into the crowd and knock everybody so, out two Rick Martel things to go and look up one is um, his AWA days when he was a babyface and he was AWA champion Right. And he was tremendous. You can see exactly why WWE signed him. And then he had a really brief run in WCW towards maybe 98, 99. Maybe a little bit little bit earlier. But WWE had let him go. And he had, a, he had a little run there. He was brilliant. So good. And it's a shame because injuries were always going to be the thing that sort of curtailed his career. But... What was the tag team it was? It was Pan Am or Can? He was in the Can Am Connection. Can Am Connection. Yeah, right, yeah. and um, <laughs> it was also in, was in Strike Force with. Uh, yes, yes. Strike Force with Tito Santana. God, right? Okay, see that's. Um, I, I probably got this wrong, but he's late in my defence. Um, <laughs> no, it's just um, for anything like pre ninety three. I've I've got a mate called. Uh, well, I haven't seen him for you. He, he comes to me knocking them shows because he lives in over. He's called uh, Stephen Tone. But my mum used to drop us off at his house and his mum would take us to school. Yeah. And it was like me, Stephen and Gary. And they had all the old, like, uh, jailhouse match between the Mountie and Bossman. So you think that's old? That's see, old for me, yeah, yeah. See, because... me, I, I remember, I, my, I had a mate called Richard at school who had all the videos before I did because uh-huh. uh, he was an only child. And um, uh, <laughs> that seemed to be the main reason. Yeah. Uh, his only child and his parents got divorced. So uh, he got a lot of videos. <laughs> And um, <laughs> my only mate had a video in his room. Wow. Do you know what I mean? I remember thinking, it was a top loading one, they weren't that <laughs> and, um And I remember going around to his, and like, it was, there was lots of wrestlers, because like, you know when you look, at, you look at an old videotape, when you're a kid, and so you, because I remember the first WrestleMania I really watched was six, so Hogan. Wow, like, bloody Hogan, hell, that was your first. Right, so that's the first one I remember watching, I'm getting my mum to tape, and me watching the next day. Uh-huh. Um. But then I went back and watched all the other ones. So I remember not really liking WrestleMania 3. I don't know what... <laughs> like, it's got now, it's got one of my favourites, because it's got Macho Man uh, yeah. Steamboat on, at, which is one of my favourite all-time matches. Um, and also uh, Ronnie Piper Adrian Adonis, which is a great match. And I'll go back now and watch it and go, oh, it's brilliant. Mm-hmm. But at the time, I didn't really care for it. And I remember going back and watching things like the, the first couple of Survivor Series where they had, they had the massive tag team Oh, God, what it's like... Which are like 45 minutes long. Do you, you can't see any of the ring because yeah. there's just blokes around like the whole... And the first time you watched the Jumping Bomb Angels, the, the Japanese tag team who were the, the women's tag team champions who were doing moves that no one had ever seen because, as everyone knows, all good wrestling moves are invented by Japanese women. And, <laughs> and, and I remember I, it's the first time I'd look at the back of the box and go... The fuck's one man gang? <laughs> and at the time, I had no concept that one man gang would eventually become Akeem, who yeah, I yeah. definitely knew who he was. Yeah, of course. Um, uh, because why would you give a man who is a legit prison guard and a biker the gimmick of being an African prince? Why would you do that? Wasn't that? Oh, hold on. Wasn't that supposed to be a rib on Dusty Rhodes? Um, I believe it may well have been. Um, um, a lot of because because Virgil being called Virgil was a rib on Dusty. Yeah, Rhodes, yeah, yeah. That that was a thing as well. Um, as was. And then when sounds like they had it in for him, like the poor lad. Like when Virgil, when Virgil went to WCW. Oh yeah, they called him. They called him Shane. 
Did they? Yeah, they call him Shane. So they gave him, he's, he's had various names based his roots. It's like, <laughs> bless him. Um, Have you seen the GoFundMe page? No. Make Virgil the Million Dollar Man. What are they up to? He's basically asking crowd, <laughs> to be crowdfunded just to give him a million dollars. I'm on board. Um, I've never met the guy. <laughs> I don't want to part with any money. I mean, I wish him all the best. All I'll say, I don't want to I reserve no judgment here, yeah. but just read the comments. I will. I'll just read it. the comments. I'll probably tweet a link to it after this because yeah. I as well. <laughs> um, so you mentioned. Sorry, we're going off. How long? No, we're we always going to do this. Is done, this has been four hours. Um, <laughs> we'll do a three-part. Uh, um, so, and this is what I really wanted to chat about. And this, because I'm not just, I'm not just having a mate on because he's a comic and he likes wrestling. Because uh-huh. I could do that. I could do that every week. Yeah, and I don't want to do that. The reason I got you on is because you specifically do a show about wrestling now, which you are still, you're still kind of touring it at the minute, aren't you? Uh-huh. Uh, and and. Obviously, I'll let you sort of plug your website and that so people come and see it because I know there'll be people who'll be interested in it. But I also remember the point when you told me about this because it was on the aforementioned horrible, horrible trip uh, to Bristol where we sat down in a coffee shop and had a very long chat about this. And we'd already, I think we'd already discussed bits and bobs about it before then. I think, yeah, I think at that point I'd already had some clips uh, of me getting. um, Yeah, because that's when you first showed me them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because. So explain the concept. Explain the concept of, of uh, your show's called Learning the Ropes, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. So explain the concept of the show because okay. it's brilliant. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, right. Well, <laughs> what I'm going to do is be really antisocial. Yeah, I'm going to go get a beer. Get a beer. <laughs> I'll, I'll commentate. Carl Christensen is going to get a beer. Um, he's not an alcoholic. Right, I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. Very naughty boy. Right. Um, sorry. Sorry. No, I'm sorry. No, go for it. What I was going to. What I was. Contemplating was like miming going, I'm going to get a beer, but I'm listening for you to film. <laughs> but then I never. Just get a beer, mate. Yeah, yeah. Um, but. Um, well, I have to go back to uh, when Brugger, Chris Brugger, asked us to. Uh, if I wanted to. This is back when I was doing Big Value, so that would have been 2011, I think, mm. when we met. Uh, Chris Brugger said, Do you want to support Mick Foley on a couple of days? So it's obviously when Foley's coming over. And that was the first meeting I had of like I'd only ever done comedy to comedy fans. Yeah. Never ever done it to wrestling fans. So I wrote a very specific bit uh for wrestling fans and it was about um I think it was like Kane or something. I think mm. yeah, I'd done like a bit about Kane about how it was before he was with Daniel Bryan and all that. So yeah. it was like like obviously up to twenty eleven, so it was like you know, he makes his debut by ripping off the Hell in the Cell cage and all that, and then he was burnt as a kid, and then he wasn't burnt. The scars are psychological, and they're not really, like, physical. So then, like, but, you know, and then he's, like, choke slamming uh, Shane McMahon and all that. And then I go, and and this is, like, when he's topless and he's got no mask, I go, yeah. and what is he now? He's just, he's just a bloke, isn't he? He's just Kane, the bloke. <laughs> and, like, that got, like, a big laugh with the crowd. I was like, Oh wow! Like this is like I'm writing like wrestling bits for uh, wrestling audiences, like comic bits for wrestling audiences. And it's, it's so much fun because I couldn't go out at Cardiff Glee tonight and tell my ten minute long story about when I met New Jack, but I can tell it. No, of course not. No, I can. No, should you? Front, <laughs> but I can tell it in front of the wrestling fans and they get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, like yeah. 
and like and, and then I would act out Kane mm. when he, he he turns up and he goes to Craig and goes, So what you got for us tonight? Who? <laughs> Jack Swagger. Is there any chance you can put us on first so me and Big Show can like get the last bus home like that? <laughs> that that got like the bacon acting it out. But as I'm doing this, right, <laughs> Foley's like off stage, like sat down, like just like uh, both forearms on his knees, watching it, like laughing, and I'm going like so I'm doing this bit, like Foley's loving it. So I was like, right, well that's that's great, like yeah, that's excellent. And then it was like. Um, about eight months later, he came back, and it was actually Cardiff Glee where we are right now, talking mm. uh, in this flat. And uh, Foley went, Carl, uh, it's when he just went from TNA to yeah. um, back to WWE. He was like, You know, I was talking to Glenn, and um, he was really uh, quite like despondent. I said, What's wrong? And so, like, we found a room, and he sat and we had a heart to heart together. So, this is Foley talking to me. He goes, And Glenn just started going, like, uh, You know. I'm just really like, I'm at a bit of a loose end. I, I don't really know. And he goes, and Carl, he was conveying everything that you said in the stand-up. <laughs> he said, so, you know, we go back, like, years, the attitude here is so, like, he's trying to have this heart-to-heart. And he says, and I'm just, like, start, like, la- like smiling and laughing. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, so, he goes, Mick, what are you laughing at? He goes, there's a guy in the UK who does a whole stand-up routine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at him going, so you actually told Kane? Oh, he goes, mate, that's amazing. He goes, oh yeah, don't worry, you got a good kick out of it. Oh god! So that was like, um, that was the first exposure to wanting to do comedy that would wrestle an yeah. audience. So I always, I always love that Louis Theroux episode where it's Louis Theroux's weird weekends where he goes and goes to do. We watched that recently. Where they make him uh, throw up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Pez Watley makes him throw up. Yeah, yeah, the, uh, Pistol, Pe- <laughs> Pistol Pez Watley. Pistol Pez Watley and Sarge make him uh, throw up. Yeah, and he and Louis does not ask... The question that he asks Sarge does not warrant the response. No. Like, I've, I've watched that back a few times and it's like, he wasn't really being insulting there. But no, he was being... Su- I actually think he was being super respectful. I thought he was as well. Like, yeah. yeah, I think it's just the cameras and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. He goes, oh, okay, so this is... Also, it was a different time. The, the industry was still a little bit more protected. I mean, people were still smartened up when they were training. But obviously there was a time, only four or five years before that, where if you were training, no one told you. No one told you whether it was legit or not. Yeah, yeah, so of course. you just had to have seven shares of shit knocked out of you. It was just how people were. <laughs> so, again, again, people were blokes. Abercrombie effect. <laughs> it's a, a great quote, isn't it? It is a brilliant quote. <laughs> so, I thought, right, um, what would be a good show? Like, it's always like, what, what can I talk about that I like? And obviously... The only other thing I like outside of comedy is wrestling. Mm. <laughs> it's like I'm a, I'm, a lot of people like comics and games and um, this that, and the other. It's like I like wrestling. This and then I've got everything else I can relate to comedy. Everything yeah. else I can kind of relate back to wrestling. Yeah. Even like um, some the music that I listen to, like Warren Zevon. I've discovered Warren Zevon when he was doing a guest spot on the Larry Sanders show. So it was like go back to comedy. It's like yeah. anyway. I thought like if I can do a whole documentary or like I can get a camera crew and like if I can record everything for a year start from day one a comedian at the age of 27 or 26 or whatever age I was uh, tries to get into wrestling and then just let whatever happened in the documentary form the Mm. basis of the show and that is essentially what Learn the Rubs is because I remember um, 
So I, I, was it, I, I kind of, I think you remember ages ago you going, who could train me? Because obviously we had, at the time, we had our projo, but you don't live in London, which makes it difficult. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, I'm, I swear, I remember saying to you, I know someone. Yeah. Um, and and that, that someone happens to be former Progress champion Rampage Brown. Yeah. Uh, that was a someone. That was, and he is a hell of a someone. Because um, uh, I love him. He's one of my favourite people. He's great. And he's, a, he's a fantastic wrestler. And, you know, this is someone who, you know, the, the, we, we entrusted one of the bit at the time, one of the biggest matches we ever had when he wrestled Samoa Joe for us. And uh-huh. he's, you know, he's still absolutely, every time. He's one of these I'm always super happy to see him when he arrives in the locker room, and I'm always super happy to watch him rest, wrestle. He comes out to the coolest theme music in the world, uh, which will I will be, which is I will be heard by Hatebreed, which is it's brilliant when he comes out at our shows because 700 people sing it with him. Yeah, and it's but he's a big old lad, isn't he? He is. He is. And like I've, I've said this to you before, and this won't mean anything to like about. Ten people who listen to this, um, but how much does Rampage Brown look like Dave Haddingham? He does look a little bit like Dave. <laughs> I've said this to you before. <laughs> um, but anyway, getting away from that. Sorry. Yeah, um, I rang you up because like I know you. It was a phone call. I remember it now. Yeah. 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 It was, we were on the phone for like about an hour. It was like yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like uh, that's that's what happens. We never talk to each other. Then it's like an hour like each time. And uh, yeah, I rang, I rang you up and I said like where can I do it you said well uh, uh, Rampage Brown he's, he's just opened he only opened it like because it was NGW yeah so that's um, hey sorry to mention another uh, totally acceptable uh, we uh, we are friendly with all other British companies oh, yeah. so, you're yeah. friendly with PCW absolutely yeah I love PCW great because I was the the uh, that match with the Derby Boys and Rampage Brown and you've seen that one that's great uh, yeah obviously uh, I the name of the East Tag Team Partner escapes me, sorry. Uh, that'll be Team I know I mentioned earlier on. Right, uh, right, sorry. Because they're called Team Single. Call that, let's chalk that down to the eight years. So, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but no, but, but this is the this is the thing, I, and it's a question I get asked a lot, people are like, because oh, this, this isn't a progress podcast, we've got one of them. This is, I love wrestling, and it happens to be that I'm involved with a wrestling company that's doing okay, Yeah. but I love all wrestling. If I get a day off, it's rare because most wrestling shows in Britain on Fridays and Saturdays it's difficult when you go and see them uh-huh. but the amount of times like I've been to PCW uh, uh, I guess it's Stephen Flutter who's PCW's owner and he's super nice to me because do you know what like I want I want British wrestling to succeed because if British wrestling succeeds then it means people like Rampage can work in more places they can earn more money they can have a better standard of living doing something they love yeah. in the same way I want as many comedy clubs to be open as possible because we can do that of course yeah, and, yeah. and and, but it's a, it, we've had this a few times. People going, oh, I will inevitably talk about progress a lot because it's my, it's my, um, it's the world that I know and the world that I understand. But also, you always have to be appreciative of the fact that other companies exist, and not only do other companies exist at the minute, Britain's a brilliant place to watch wrestling. So other companies exist and are flourishing. We're we're doing all right in London and Manchester, but then you know PCW, have, you know, expanded loads in the last year and are doing great. And NGW put on huge shows. NGW's kicking ass yeah, like that. Yeah, they're great. They're on, they've got a uh, Maiden Time and Weird, so they're on the Sky Channel now, like up in the oh, North East. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, they're doing really, really well. Um, I watched a video when, when we sat in a coffee shop in Bristol uh, that, that January, <laughs> I think it was January, wasn't it? I watched a video of you taking a turnbuckle uh, with a, a rampage. Big smile on my face. <laughs> and I'm like, because I remember getting in the. When, when Rampage wrestled. Samoa Joe for us he got in the ring he was so excited he ran the ropes like just screaming while Joe's music was playing he just going ah because he was excited and I remember thinking I 
I'm never crossing this man because he's massive. Yeah. And I don't know what his sport is. He looks like the sort of man who's probably played rugby league. That's his build. <laughs> yes, Do you yes, know what yes, I mean? Yes. Yeah. Rugby league would suit Rampage Brown. Absolutely. Um, and, and obviously he's been signed to, he was in developmental. He's wrestled on, uh, when ECW was on, on WWE brand on TV, he's wrestled for uh-huh. Um And, you know, he, he really knows his stuff. I, th- I think when I'd got the NGW, it was um, just after the TNA. Mm-hmm. Uh, remember, remember that? Oh, the boot camp stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which obviously he was, we, weirdly, um, uh, the, the previous episodes of this, when I was chatting to Joel, uh, one of his favourite matches he's ever refereed was uh, Rampage against Dave Mastiff. At the right, right, yeah. And, um, and, and I, I, I love that because they're both my mates. And Joel's my mate. So he's just like, oh, that's nice. Uh, <laughs> you know, lovely things happen. Um, but, um, I mean... You put me in touch with the camera guy as well, didn't I you? Did, uh, I did. Pat Recoil. Yeah, who was a guy I met on a BBC writing day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it, I, he just went, oh, I really like wrestling. And we've got our own camera crew. But then I kept his details, and I was really glad I did because he was a great guy as well. Oh, he's class. I haven't seen him. He he he, uh, he, he came to the Edinburgh Festival last year to watch mm. the show, and uh, my obviously Edinburgh. It's like I can't remember which comedian says it, but it's like uh, you can have the right X and Y coordinate, but your Z axis could be all off because yeah, it's yeah. all like different hills and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, it takes about like forty-five minutes to walk home. Tell that to Pat Recoil. Uh, he was so good at like he was just like we were just walking for ages and he just like because he's like he's a bit smaller he's a, he's a little bit bigger than me I hope he doesn't mind the same and uh, like sweating and that bless him and he's got his big bag and like he's going like how much further I went we're about halfway and like the look on his face <laughs> and then when we got into the house he just went I think I'm just gonna go into the bed and just do a flare bump into the bed <laughs> So when you, because obviously I, I recommended Rampage to you, and presumably you had to get in touch with him, and uh, and like, how did how did he feel about when? Because I'm sure I, I'm sure I will have had a word with him and gone, this lads, this lad is genuine about it. Because you're not. I see people come into wanting to train to be wrestlers on beginner courses at our school, and most of the time people now know I've got to be physically fit. I've got to be able to do this. Cause I remember telling saying to you. I reckon you need to be able to do all this and you could do all of it. Uh-huh. So, you know, you've got to be able to do 50 push-ups and you've got to be able to do you've got to be able to do 50 to 100 squats. You've got to be able to do some sit-ups. You've got to be able to do all this stuff yeah. <laughs> because if you can't do that stuff, then wrestling's going to kill you. Yeah, yeah. And you could so presumably hit the ground running a little bit because you could, you're already fairly physically fit and I'd tip you off a little bit. Yeah, it was but then I'd still get caught out a bit, like yeah, because you kind of conference called a Facebook message, so it was like the three of us. I remember that. And he yeah, was yeah. like, um, uh, "Rampage, meet call, call yeah. meet Rampage," and, um, and then I was like, I was messaging him like, like hi, <laughs> <laughs> like oh, gee, I don't know. Do you You're know like, what I mean? oh, like, do I put a kiss at the end of this? I don't like know. oh yeah, all that. And it's like um, I was like, I kind of went like. Because I was thinking, like, if I tell him, if I tell him what I do at the gym, <laughs> then he be he might go like, oh, don't bother coming or something. So I told yeah. him what I did, and he kind of went like, well, it seems like you kind of know what's so, so turn up, but it was a whole different thing though. It was mm. like a whole different workout. So the, it was like, yeah, it was it was like a hundred squats to start, and then fifty push ups, and then. Um, so many star jumps and so many sit-ups and so many burpees and all that kind mm. of stuff. So there's footage in the show where I, like, I run off to be sick and Rampage is like, 
in the next cubicle along, like looking over, like like <laughs> in a secondary school, kind of just like laughing his head off. And it's like, like I didn't say to him, like, "Oh, I've got the camera. Would you mind?" Like he literally just like just just did that and all and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but yeah, it was like it took a while. What was the apart from that? What was the worst bit of the training? Um, it was it was burpees because like, I'd never done one before. Mm. I'd never knew uh, what it was. Uh, so it was doing the burpees. And then it was like locking up, and then a burpee and lock up, and set goes as well. So like you lie down from a bump position, yeah. and like kind of like thrust your left leg so that it, like to the to to the to the right hand side so that you kind of flick yourself up, and uh, that that took like because he, he said that whole like it doesn't get it doesn't get easier you just get better yeah. like and that that was like that's set into my head so. It was like once you knew what was going to be asked of you at the training thing, it was like, then I'll go and do it as my regular routine. So the training got better, and it was just... Here's one. Did you know the first bump you ever had to take? Oh. I've only ever taken, and I've said this countless times on this podcast, I've only ever taken two bumps. And because I was already well into my 30s by the time I first took one, uh-huh. I... Land on my head both times. I can't get the coordination right to, to take a bump properly. I right. can't, and I'm never going to learn. So when we did the storyline stuff in progress, I just got beaten up. <laughs> just because it looked bad, and and it, I, I always, um, I always think taking bumps is hard. And watching people take bumps for the first time is a scary thing because you can you can fucking up and hurt yourself. I mean, did you did you manage to to avoid? Avoid concussion when taking bumps. Um, I think I knocked me not knocked myself out, but like I got myself a bit dizzy, and then he was like, "Right, obviously took your chin." He told us that beforehand. Obviously, yeah, took your chin. By the way, do you know how much of an arsehole I felt turning up? Not only turning up in like what was essentially a PE kit for me <laughs> for me first day of training. I'm walking, I'm like, obviously I do the whole, like, shake everyone's hand. Yeah, which that. is a big thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, the respect thing is huge. Like, I know enough of wrestling to know that, like... And, that, and that's good, because you, you've listened to all the shoot interviews and stuff. Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like, it's not like, um, it's not like, I'm, 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 I'm doing it for the sole reason that, like, I don't understand it, but I know there's something you do. But I listen to that Lance, Lance Storm interview, and it's like, mm. um, it's a way to detect who's, like, in the know and not. So it's like, if you don't squeeze... And it's like, oh, we're both in the know. But then if you do, it's like, oh, shit, this guy doesn't know what's going on. Yeah. That's what I heard was something to do with it. Anyway, I turn up with the fucking camera crew. First day of training, I've got, like, a camera crew. Oh, you're such a fucking diva. I know. What? <laughs> I wanted to do everything from day one, naturally. Like, yeah, I makes did, sense. I didn't, I didn't want to do, like, oh, he has me first day, but then I'm going to come in next week with so a camera Rampage crew. Rampage would have been warned about this, so he would have known. Of course, yeah, yeah. But it's just the other trainees who are going to be, like... AJ Anderson. Straight away, gonna be like, oh you, you know him? Uh, not, not, not specifically. No. All right, okay. Um, I hope I'm not getting his name wrong, Chris. Um, because I know there's there's another guy on it. So Jason Prime is is one of oh, yeah. one of Rampage's trainees, isn't it? Hold on, I'm just opening the store. Are you a bit warm? <laughs> I'm Brandon Burns, mate. <laughs> <laughs> it's all callbacks. You mean the house? Um, so yeah, no, because well, I know that when I got whipped into the corner, yeah. Uh, it was like it wasn't turnbuckles it was all just like one bit of material oh the one big the one big pad and so the way I'm taking it it's like uh, Jason Prime just went mate yeah you can't be doing that <laughs> I was like why not he was like 
You're six foot something, man. You shouldn't be taking bumps like that. What the hell's about with you? <laughs> he's such a sound bloke. Um, yeah. And he's doing... The really nice thing is I, 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 I didn't know until, until Rampage introduced me to him and, and knowing that he's doing... He's in a tag team called The New Nation now. They're doing really cool things. And they're starting to really make a And it's really nice seeing someone go and, and start making a name for themselves. Uh-huh. And I'm no doubt at some point we'll see him in progress, which is great. Because um, he's the sort of bloke knowing that He's got a military background and that, hasn't he? He's got a really good attitude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, and, I mean, was the... He was really good. I mean, he was, I mean, yeah, I mean, and... When he found out that I was a comedian, because yeah. he, he doesn't drink, yeah. so he's always looking for stuff to do on a night time that doesn't involve drink, so he always comes at the stand in Newcastle. So, um, when... There's a couple of wrestlers that do that with me when I'm in London. Right, so I, it's like, I quite like He it. was like, so are you actually a comedian full-time? I was like, I would, that's mint. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how do you reckon... In your class, how do you reckon your overall... And again, I don't want to give too much away about the show, Matt, but how do you reckon you, you sort of fell in terms of your ranking within the class? Oh, God, like, bottom, like... Really? Because I watched you I watched you taking those bumps, and I was like, mate, I'm really... Because I'll be honest, right, do you remember the first time you ever got, like, mates who make, like, school friends or work friends who came to see you do stand-up? Right? Uh-huh. So I remember my fourth ever gig, two of my mates from the office I worked in came along to see me and I I recorded it or recorded audio of it and at the end of it my mates came up to me and I kept my recorder my mates came up to me and went fucking hell mate you were really good we thought you were going to be shit yeah right and I'll be honest when you first showed me the video of you taking some bumps in my head I'm like oh god he knows not only am I his his mate not only did I help sort this out but also I'm a wrestling promoter so I'm going to have to go And I actually watched it and went, oh no, because I was genuinely like, oh fucking hell, mate, that was really good. Right, right. And it, you know, and I was, I'll be honest, I didn't have to be nice about it because I was in a fucking mood because it was quarter past ten in the morning and we've been kicked out of hotel. Oh god, yeah, yeah. So, like, <laughs> so, like, it, it, I was, I remember watching it and going, oh, so that must mean that everyone else in that class was really fucking good. Oh, everyone was, yeah. You've got um, HD Drake uh, mm. from Absolute Wrestling, um, who was kind of like, because AJ Anderson would go every now and then because he would work on the camps. Yeah, sure. And, uh, Sorry if I'm sniffled, it's hay fever. Hay fever up to Yeah, yeah. And uh, so so um it uh, so Drake would do the and then you've got Mickey the Dragon as well, who's really really good. He's had a kid now, so I don't think he's been there as much. But I haven't been there as much, so it goes back to that whole um like genuine or not. Like it's like since uh, the tour started and since like it's like I've always been busy so it's like I haven't been able to go back because I'm never there. But do you want to go back? That's yeah, yeah. Because like, I didn't know if you just did it and then went I've got my show now, I'm done. No, no, but that's exactly what it looks like, and that's like, it's really, it's really annoying, do you know what I mean? Because, I mean... It's like, I want to go back, it's like, the, 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 the next time I get a bit of time off, and it's like, I want to go back and do it. This is... But now I feel like a funny, because it's like, I've done the show, and now it's like, I haven't seen it since. You know? I, 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 this is kind of going to be the last question. Oh. Right. Do, do you still harbour ambitions of actually wrestling? Um, no now that I've seen um, how much work not that I knew not that I thought it was going to be a breeze or anything mm. like that but it's like it's kind of like going if you started from like year dot yeah. trying to be a comedian again yeah. it's like I've been doing this for 10 years it's like I'd only be from the perspective of I wouldn't want to start from like year zero on anything again it's like if I had been able to do that back then and 
I think that's the thing. I think because we've got the experience of, and it's the same with me. Like, I love being a wrestling promoter. I'd never want to be a wrestler. I, partly because I'm too old, but also it's taken me really long to get good at being a comedian. Uh-huh. And the idea of having to take really long to get good at something again scares the shit out of me. Yeah. And it, I mean, would you not just like just one, just get trained enough to have one match? I mean, wouldn't it be the ideal situation? Would be surely you get super famous from comedy and then you're so famous from comedy that you're enough to sell a ticket as a guest appearance Wrestlemania like do you know what I mean oh, the, God, you're yeah. the Maria Menounos on like a very very like to do something like something that Andy Kaufman did where, yeah. you, where you could just go like yeah by the way like thanks very much for entertaining us all of your life yeah yes like so yeah of course I'd love to do something like that I'd like I'd, I'd do much as a jobber of course but it's like like doing the whole show and doing like all the training for the year it's it, it's it's kind of like at the end of the day it's like I'm, I was doing it as like a a project type thing yeah yeah and as much as like I said, I was genuine, and that I threw myself into the training and all that. I, I ultimately have to go. I wasn't genuine because I'm, it's not. I'm not actually trying to make a career out of it. Mm. And it's like in that respect, it almost feels disrespectful to somebody who is to to turn up and like take up that ten minutes of ring time that could go to somebody else. But again, it all comes down to respect, thing, doesn't it? I mean, you don't. You know, I think that's the right thing to do because you know we look at it. I look at it from our point of view. If, if all of a sudden. You know, every now and again we'll do Edinburgh and, and there'll be someone who's never been on the circuit but has got a little bit of, of say, TV credibility because they're, you know, like, they've been doing something else so they're like a TV presenter who's gone, I'm going to be a comedian now and we all go, hang on a fucking minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? I yeah, it's like, I, I never wanted to be, yeah, it's like, yeah. I don't want to be that guy in another profession. Yeah, no. So for that reason, I, like, I wouldn't want to <laughs> pursue no. it, you know? I've got one, one last, last question. Wait, wait, wait. Did you develop a finishing move for yourself? Uh, well, I mean, I'm not saying necessarily invented a new finishing move like in the creator wrestler mode on, on WWE 2K16. I've got a question for you after this one. Right, right. Um, so uh, but did you did you develop a finishing move? Did you I've, did you think this is what my finish is going to be? Yeah, and it's not like a, uh, obviously because I think well I, I told you what my gimmick was, didn't I? I don't think you did. It was um, it was based on uh, Mick Foley coming over here, William Regal coming over here. Um, Jim Cornette coming over here, all these um, different uh, Bret Hart and mm. Shawn Michaels and Q and A's, all these different wrestlers coming over doing uh, Q and A stand up comedy. I'm going like all these retired, like has beens are coming over, um, like making a living in my profession. <laughs> I'm gonna. <laughs> How hard could it be? I'm gonna. I'm gonna. You know what I'm gonna do? I'm like a pissed off comedian. <laughs> who hasn't had the stage time because of these dicks so I'm going to come over and I'm going to make sure that nobody gets to the level where they can come and cross over into comedy oh my good god that's amazing <laughs> is it? that's amazing I mean honestly it's the most it's the most meta thing I've ever listened yeah, to yeah 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 I mean it's like trying to explain apart from the time like... I did a radio advert for radio adverts that used to fucking blow my own mind <laughs> um, but like like a imagine you you you, you, you do like a, a Hulk mm. um pose now yeah. like the one where he goes like uh, uh, with both arms down yeah. by your stomach 
yeah. type thing, like like that one, not the biceps one, not the yeah, yeah, stretch yeah. out one, that one, the other one, like you, you know your lats, like I've I would always wake my mates up in the like uh, at a sleepover by just grabbing both lats and just like calling it a bottle of plunk, like it's in a bottle of wine. I, I can't remember how that happened. <laughs> But my finisher would grab in both lats and call it a bottle of plunk. But I've I always envisioned, you know, like when you get them, like you give them like a, a forearm to the head and they're stood there groggy, yeah. you know, like before the dusty does the whole like bionic elbow. Yeah. I would like walk around them, but I always envisioned myself like going to the crowd, like like squeezing me singular hands together, going like, shall I get him? Shall I get him? And then like proper British, shall I? <laughs> and then the whole crowd would like in unison go. Bottle of plunk. <laughs> 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 if you see Carl Hutchinson on the street, just walk up to him. Just tweet him. Bottle of plunk. What, um, what was your sorry? What was your first ever wrestling computer game? Ooh, I genuinely the, the first one I remember playing and liking was. Um, would have been the Saturday night's main event one. Ooh. No, re- no, not Saturday night's, uh, WrestleFest. So not Wrestle, not Wrestle, f- no, not WrestleFest, the one before WrestleFest. WrestleFest was on the Earthquake in. Right. The one before that, that had Honky Tonk Man in. That was the first game I remember playing, because it was an arcade game, and my dad used to work in Blackpool a lot. So I guess the, oh, the arcade right, right, Blackpool go to the, right, right, right. Um, the first one I ended up owning was on the Commodore Amiga and it would have been European Rampage, wow. Omega, and it was fucking garbage. Yeah. It's not, I mean, here's another one. I have a list of best wrestling games, and some of them are quite obscure. Um, so the best one, I think, is, I think it's called Virtual Pro Wrestling 2, which is the Japanese version of what we would call No Mercy. So No Mercy for the N64 yeah. was the boiler. So, so, it? so it's for the N64, and I got a Japanese import, and it was amazing because Vader was in it. Um, <laughs> and, it and it was... And it had lots of Japanese wrestlers in and was abs- a really good creator wrestler mode. And there's uh, all the Fire Pro Wrestling games. So on the Dreamcast, on the Saturn, uh, stuff like that. And then there's a, a really... Obs- it's, not really it's not that obscure if you're interested in but there's one on the Dreamcast called Giant Gram 2000, which was the secret to Giant Gram. And that was an all-Japan game. So you could be Misawa, Kabashi, wow. Akiyama, Tawei, Kawada in it. And it had... Um, You've played the new Mortal Kombat games where you've got like no. moves, moves that go where you hit someone and it goes into an X-ray mode. There's a great bit in that where you could be Stan Hansen and if you did his lariat in the right way, <laughs> it'd pretty much break someone's neck. <laughs> you know, it was tremendous. Um, and what could, did you ever play a Dreamcast game, wrestling based WWE? Mm. I think it was like Royal Rumble for the Dreamcast. Maybe because cousin Andrew played it, and there was like a mode on it where it was like you you just type aliens. And then, like, it would black out from the ring and you'd just be, like, backstage. But the call of aliens, for some reason? I've literally... That, that is n- not in my brain at all. Right. So, I, I don't know if it... There's a few things It's like... The, the, okay, you've got 10,000 subscribers now, yeah? 10,000 listeners. Yeah. Right. Hopefully, somebody out there could, like, if, you, if they can get in touch. Like, is there an email <laughs> that can get in touch? Just no, so, no, just let's so get them to tweet you. So okay, let's, sorry. Let's plug your yeah, because you don't want any of this shit. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not. <laughs> Mate, they'll tweet me anyway, and I'll be more than happy to receive it. The best bit is, is it's so a, the first ever, the first ever episode we did of this, um, me and Pip spent ages like asking why they changed Nakamura's finishing move. 
Right. And I genuinely got, and that's how I knew that the podcast was taking off, was I got, um, no word of a lie, 20 emails and 150 tweets from people going, <laughs> it's called Kinshasa because because it was called Bommy A and Bobby A was all to do with Rumble in the Jungle and that's where it was. And I did not know this until those until the lovely, lovely people told me. Um, and even now, because people go because people consume podcasts in a different way, people are still listening to episode one, right. even though we recorded it in April. Oh, so people shit. are still going, just so you know, and I'm like and do you know what? I'm so polite and I will go, <laughs> thank you for letting me know. Because if we get and this is the thing about wrestling fans, if we get something wrong, yeah. they'll tell us. So um right. your Twitter handle is at CP Hutchinson. So right. At CP Hutchinson. And, and your question is that you want the listeners to answer. And I promise you, use the hashtag Tuesday Night Jaw. I know because then I'll see it. And I know for a fact someone will get this right. Right. What is your question? Well, in that case, I've got a few questions. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> right. I want to I know because you only get, when you watch telly or anything like that, mm. before you could record it, you just get one shot and it's done, right? Yeah. So the first question refers to the um, the game. Yeah. So you would have um, Royal. I'm pretty sure it was called Royal Rumble, and it was for the Dreamcast. Um, maybe because of Andrew Hutchinson were playing it, <laughs> and it was like it was a mode called Aliens, and then it was like you went from the ring to the backstage. I swear to God, I'm not <laughs> fucking making that up. Okay. That was the thing. Did Aliens mode exist at CP Hutchinson? Right. <laughs> question two. <laughs> Never let a man who's had eight beers ask questions to the listeners. Please don't edit this. Um, I'm not. It's going out exactly as it is. <laughs> Fucking hell. Well, uh, I don't think anyone's made it to the end. Um, question. If you've made it this far, well done. Question two. Um, channel four, round about 1999-2000, I fell asleep at about 11 o'clock watching, I don't know, Father Ted. I woke up half one in the morning. It was like, it was like a CSI Miami type thing. Okay. Not that show, but it was like it was like in that vein, that type of TV show. Yeah. So in the time I'm getting up to turn the telly off, Godfather, in his Godfather gear, was saving Ivory, who was like tied up, and he was running after her, going like Ivory. So obviously they were guest starring. I've googled it. I can't find it. I was going to say, surely Wikipedia has this answer. And clearly it does I not. I can't find. I t- type in Godfather Ivory. CSI type show cool just goes like fuck off <laughs> you just get a load of did you mean oh my god and um, third one oh god there's no there's no wrestling related just if anyone else has seen this um, I'm just gonna say it it's three words cannibal lesbian hoedown <laughs> so there we go at CP Hutchinson um and also, um, where can people find your tour dates to come and see your show? Because you, what you're doing is you're doing that show and you're doing this year's. You're sort of yeah, I always, I always do like it's. I always try to do two hours uh, just to like. Uh, I try to do like an hour show of of the wrestling show and then like an hour of straight comedy, just so mm. that like um, if people aren't wrestling fans, like there's not do these people exist. <laughs> well, not that I'm trying to please everybody, but it's like it's it's nice to just to do. Like, oh, I'm in the mood for, like, doing, like, this, that, and the other. Oh, I can do that in the first hour, and then I can do the rest mm. of the show in the second. So if you want to do that, if you want to come see us, it's callhutchinson.net. Uh, .com was taken by some other dick called Carl Hutchinson, <laughs> I assume. Um, I've looked it up. It's called Technical Solutions. I don't know what that is. But then I've went on it since, and it just said this domain is available. So I'm going to have to get on it. You're going to have to buy it, mate. Like, Someone's cyber-sitting because I know you're going to be famous. Is that what it is? Yeah. And I know you're going to be the Maria Menounos of British comedy. <laughs> 
Um, anyway, so carlhutchison.net, CP Hutchison on Twitter. Um, cannibal uh, lesbian hooker. <laughs> apparently, cannibal lesbian hooker. Um, um, thank you, Carl. Cheers, Jim. So that's me and a drunken Carl Hutchinson. He wasn't drunk, to be fair. He was merry. He'd worked hard and he, he likes a beer, but not in a dangerous way. I must stress that. If you want to um, follow Carl on Twitter, he plugged it at the end, but I'll remind you of it now. CP Hutchinson is Carl on Twitter. Um, he's a good lad. He's a fantastic comedian. He's a really big wrestling fan. If he's ever performing near you, either in a regular club or he's doing his tour show, go along and see him. He's a great guy. If you're in Edinburgh this year as well, go and see him there. He, he just, he's, he's a cracking dude. Uh, and I've got a lot of time for Carl. Very, very good friend of mine. Hopefully you enjoyed our little chat. Uh, back next week with hopefully something New Japan, kind of maybe Q&A, maybe reviewing related. I don't know. I've not worked out I'm going to do it yet, but we'll do something. Um, obviously, like you've listened to this podcast and I appreciate it. Please keep telling people we're doing really well, like way better than I ever expected this podcast to do when we started it. We're already doing great. We've got loads of subscribers. Loads of people look forward to us putting an episode out every Tuesday. But please, please, please keep telling people about it. Keep reviewing it on iTunes. Keep recommending it to people either on iTunes or on Acast. However you choose to do it, I'm super grateful when you recommend it to people. And also, use the hashtag Tuesday Night Jaw whenever you're tweeting about it. Whether you're tweeting about it to me or tweeting about it to somebody else, at least then it catches on and more and more people are aware of the name. Don't forget, I'm on Twitter, at Jim Smallman. Always use the hashtag Tuesday Night Jaw if you're getting in touch with me. And thank you so much for supporting our little podcast. We'll be back next week with another... I say mini episodes. They're not mini, are they? I mean, it's only because the full episodes end up being nearly three hours. But... I mean, no one's complaining, right? Cool. Nice one. Right, I'll see you next week. Thanks, guys. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 